Oh, so yeah, we're in. Well, we are officially in. Huh? Welcome, welcome to the pod. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, so, so I'm for gaff. the people that are listening, I don't know what episode this is going to be, but it's, it's, it's going to be out. And we've got one of my well friends that I know from athletics, um, Catherine on here. You know, speaker on a couple topics. Yes, sir. It's lovely to have you, Catherine. It's we, so we, nice we were, to be here. We were at uni roughly at the same time. We were, weren't we? Kind of. Yeah. Well, because I wasn't at like Loughborough Uni. I was just training there. But um, yeah, I feel like I feel like we were. And uh, obviously everyone can hear us, but can't, we can see each other. But I see that you got some notes there. You're prepared. Yeah, I took I, I took that. notes because see. because later in this podcast. The, the, the like you guys sent me really good questions like and the stuff that I want to that I feel like needs to be touched on mm. that I don't have expertise on mm. so I was like I don't want to come with like random stats like making stuff up because like anyone from those communities that's listening they're just going to be like who does this girl think she is <laughs> so yeah I took notes oh, that's, <laughs> that's, See, that's another level that's I, another I, level <laughs> <laughs> I've got some pages open from books here as well I was on the same vibe I was just like this is a topic we I just can't you know, fl- like flake on absolutely. Yeah, flake. you don't want to flop it. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't realize until hearing your accent that um, the Isle of Man was from up north. Was was like a northern. Yeah, you would have been thinking of the Isle of Wight. I got so stressed then because I thought you were gonna say that I sounded really scouse because loads. Of, well, some people say that the Isle of Man accent is like quite scouse, yeah. and I was just so stressed that you were gonna say it. I, I was like, yeah, oh, no. I, I definitely. North Northwest. I was like, Ross, that caught me off guard a little bit. I was like, I thought you were gonna. I thought it was like near like Guernsey or Jersey or yeah. Like nah, you're thinking of the Isle of Wight. Yeah, we're like, if you went kind of across from Liverpool, yeah. that's the Isle of Man. So the question is, could me and Kevin live in the Isle of Man? <laughs> I've been thinking about this, you know, and I I have concluded that abs like this would be the perfect life for you. Because it's like so laid back, just like going on walks of nature, like literally like the mountains, the fresh air, like abs, you would be chilling. And Kev, I just feel like you'd be bored. What? Like <laughs> I, I know abs I, I I know abs like obviously better than I know you. Yeah. But like I just feel like you'd get here and you'd be like, Oh, like love the scenery, but let's go do like, we can go to a museum, like the Max Museum, and you'd be like, I'm not trying to go to the museum. Are there any pubs? There's okay, so there's like quite a lot of like pubs, yeah. but they're all very like, like, because the Isle of Man is like villages rather than cities and towns, yeah. so it's all kind of like the locals go to their village pub, and like if a stranger was to walk in and they don't know your face, they'd be like, "Where have you come from?" Like, that. yeah. And then like there's a couple couple of clubs, but they're all very like because I listened to your pod with um the brothers, yeah. And you guys are talking about music and all of the clubs over here are very like dance and like house and techno. Oh. And then there's like one club that's breaking the scene where they do a bit of like mix and match. Mm. But people are just like, oh, it's too different. Like, oh my gosh, the cheek of them having a soul train night. Like, that's crazy. Kev, I, I just concluded. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm from, I'm from Bournemouth. So I thought, I think I thought I could deal with it. But Bournemouth, to be fair, it's got quite a, the club scene's mm. quite varied. They don't just, I, I, but I understand where you're coming from. I'm, I'm imagining like thatched cottage pubs. The people that go there Literally. Keep, keep banging on about the lunch and should we go to yeah. lunch here and this, that, and the other. <laughs> and 
Oh, you wish you hit the nail on the head. Open at Christmas, <laughs> bear people there at Christmas for no other reason. Just stay at home. You just stay at home. Stay at home for Christmas Day. <laughs> what is it saying, the Isle of Man? Is it like um, I'm guessing it's not a melting pot for multi multiculturalism? Is it a big place? I don't know anything about it. Is it so? It's like population is like eighty five thousand people, maybe. That's and then lot. it's it's literally like. I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it's like 35 miles from bottom to top and 14 from side to side. So it's like, it is literally like tiny. Like I could drive from the, all the way around the island in like two hours, maybe like if that. That's still quite big though. I think that's probably the size of Dorset-ish. Don't quote me on that, but kind of the size of Dorset. (laughs) Geography is just going to be way off. (laughs) Yeah, way off. But no, it's it's not saying much like, it's it's nice coming back because like all my family's here and stuff. But like for me personally, like I'm not trying to settle down here. Like I need to live some vibes. Like where there's people. Like yeah. Like you asked about like is it very multicultural? Like it's a lot more multicultural now than when I was growing up. But it's still like like this is the thing. So like when me and my mum go to like the big town, like the capital. If, like, any black person you see on the Isle of Man, like, as another, like, black, well, I'm mixed race, but as, like, another, like, person of colour, you just, like, nod at them, like, you give them a wave, it's just a, like, compliment, you're like, hey, how are you? Of course. Like, I went to London, like, little old me, like, went for an athletics competition, age of, like, 15, went to London by myself, like, saw a black person, I was like, hi, and they were like, what? <laughs> like, why are you speaking <laughs> to me? And I came home, and my dad was like, Catherine, that's a rule on the Isle of Man, but that's like you do not oh. just like every black person you see you're not nodding you're not waving like you're not starting conversation and i was like <laughs> my my mum used to do that so much and like i even remember when i was younger we used to go to the shops and she used to be like oh hello aunt. like this person i've never seen before <laughs> like, oh hello auntie how are you they're like talking for like <laughs> five ten minutes and i was just like mom how do you i'm really young i'm like how do you know it's just like you know she's black so I, black. Just, like, well, I, I was just like what the fuck is going on she doesn't normally do that but i remember on that occasion she was just feeling very friendly i was like oh, and, uh, and that's, that, that's, like that's, that. that's that's a good touch on both of you because that that's the main reason why we're here you know to talk on issues to do with our you know with our skin color you know yeah. how things have changed you know in the last year or two but um the main first topic we're going to speak on is you know black lives matter and how that's kind of shaped things in our like in our lives to be fair because like when you think about our generation it's it's our generation that's kind of pushed it to to, mm. a, to another stage where you know with social media and everything else but before we dive into that Cav like for you being mixed race and island man obviously you've, you've lived there but you've you had t- times when you've been in England as well but how's mm. it been growing up I think can I can I add to that as well yeah can I, can I add to that question so I don't want to be you know that question where people are like where are you from so I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> I'm going to say, what brought your family to the Isle of Man? No, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'll start with your question, Kev. So I'm mixed race. So my mum is Jamaican and my dad is just like born in Derby, I think, in England. So like literally 20 minutes up the road from Loughborough. Um, that's like my obviously heritage background. And then my dad had a, just got a job so I was born in Derby as well like my family my mum and dad lived there for like quite a few years I like, had my brother over there I got a job with because like some accountant we moved over 
we've just stayed because it's a really nice place like like a family because like you kids themselves and like when i was a kid like we just say to my mom like we're going to the park and like she wouldn't see us for the day and like she knew we'd be safe and it's just like a really nice chilled place um yeah but going back to abs's question about what it's like like not from my experience like growing up mixed race on the isle of man like i guess it applies to as well it was just like it was pure identity crisis because it's you read that thing always of like too black for the white kids but too white for the black kids and like i always had that like i'd speak up on things and people would be like oh you can't speak up on like those issues because you're white like you're half white like oh you shouldn't have an opinion on that because you're half white or like again like the opposite like oh you shouldn't have an opinion on that because you're half black so like literally from like young the young age of probably like getting introduced to school and obviously like get those comments from kids that just don't really know what they're saying of just being like oh your your skin is different like up until literally leaving for university in america in like 2016 like I honestly like I look back on my school days and like my time and I'm like I had really great times of like really great friends and stuff but equally it makes me really sad because I just know that I wasn't having fun like I was always so worried about fitting in and like not appearing too white or not appearing too black but no one was ever happy with it I was just like so worried and I remember like I moved to America and some of the girls were literally like what happened like I remember some of the black girls on the team were like Catherine what happened to you at school because you you are like in identity crisis with your skin and they were literally just I was like yeah like this is what happened to me at school like this is how I felt and then like it wasn't until like moving to America and then abs you know Joel my um, yeah like yeah like meeting Joel like that's um changed everything for me like it's so crazy and I think a lot of mixed race people can identify with that it's just like an absolute crisis of who am I and just before okay, before you jump on, yeah, I, that what you just said, I've just learned that with the whole movement because mm. me, obviously African, my parents both from the Gambia, so my shared colleges, I'm, I'm, well, I'll just say I'm just black, but mm. I've always had saw things from like our side and been like, yeah, we're was fighting this battle, but I've never seen it with you guys because you've always been with us, but mm. I've never seen that insight as well and with the whole movement i've been like oh yeah there's like there's there is another layer there's a couple more layers towards it and mm. um it's, it's been really interesting but yeah kev you diving i just wanted to hear about obviously like what you meant by things that might have happened in school like in whatever detail you want to go into uh when you had that chat with the your mates in america and yeah when you explained to them you don't have to like obviously no no i'm i'm like i'm happy that's oh, the no. obviously we'll get into it but like the nature of the work I've been doing in the past year I've just I've been going into offices and like venting my racial trauma and they're all like whoa <laughs> um so no like I'm more than happy to speak about it but like it's just it's like I remember I remember like going into school oh my gosh would it have been either if you're reading this it's too late or views from the six Drake I can't remember which album was that would have came out when I was in sick form the day that album came out was one of the worst days I ever had in school like I literally remember like walking in school and someone was like let's say it was if you're reading this because that might have been 2015 someone was literally like 
hey if you're reading this is too late and i was like huh and they were like oh you've not listened to the new drake album yet like and i was like oh like when did it drop and they were like oh you call yourself black and i was like uh like uh, like what just happened and it would just be stuff like that like i was expected to like speak up on like black issues and stuff but then like i had an incident um in sick form again where like so I walked into the common room like as one of my white um like someone else in my year like said the n-word and I like that she walked in and I walked through the door and everyone was like oh Catherine's just walked in and that person was like she doesn't mind like she's white and I was like how are you dictating like like okay so when the Drake album comes out and I've not listened to it I'm a bad black person but when like you've just said the n-word as I'm walking in the room I can't be upset because I'm a white person like make it make sense and like so all that stuff like I just stopped speaking about anything like literally the only memory I really have of talking about race and racism in like my school years would be my AS level creative writing as an AS level it was all focused on the Michael Brown shooting in I can't remember it would have been like 2015 but I can't but it was all focused young boy who was like shot in the back by police officer like eight times he was like unarmed like everything and I focused all my writing around that and people were just like I don't know why you choose to write about that because like you're not even fully black like I don't know why that upsets you and I was just like again I was just like I'm not going to speak on these issues so like I was just repressing everything and then like I said like moved to America and they like girls would sort of be like just talking about black culture and I'd just like ball up and not even the want to communicate and then that's when that sort of conversation came about mm. yeah, yeah it's black it's black really black. good it's really good because like you said it, it, it you being in the middle like, you you get you're getting it from both sides mm. like for me it's only came one side so I just knew and I, I knew who I knew who I was fighting with you get me but then but, um, I have like the argument because you yeah. mentioned this on the Meghan Markle podcast as well when you guys were like so that comment there where you're saying like I'm getting it from both sides and I think you said the same about Meghan like mm-hmm. that definitely shouldn't discourage like okay I get people saying like oh you're too white or you're too black but like compared to like dark-skinned people I just think it's worth noting that like being mixed race is definitely not as hard as being like a dark skinned person because we're receptible to it from both sides because like being a dark skinned person in a white society is like the dogs, you know what I mean? And and and, and like you said, sometimes we, we, us black your dark skinned people, we're doing it to each other as well, isn't it? Cast got stories, I got stories for days, man. Literally stories for days. Stories for days, but like just like like and people like I know um Kevin, you you like you like Storms, you don't yeah, yeah, yeah. He's disappointed me, but I no, like him. But you know, when Stormzy first come out, that's the first time I started to appreciate my my skin color. You know, yeah. before that, I just I didn't like, I didn't like, I just I didn't really have anything to like look at or be like, oh yeah, look at that person. Mm. He's the same color as me. He's mm. so cool. What he's doing, everyone likes him. And I'm like, I just there was no one there that I was like, yeah. oh, and British as well. That which, which I think is quite important because we've always had to look at America. For like all race issues and that we've never had big really identified people in the uk to like yeah that's someone that looks like me that's from where i'm kind yeah, of yeah yeah and like 
it's it, it's 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 a really good topic, man. Mm. What were you guys like in in terms of um, the interactions you had with like your peers at school? Were you like because I'm going to seem like a dick here because I can relate to sort of like what you're saying in terms of the identity crisis. Like, I loved school. I absolutely had the best mm. time ever at school. Mm. And and like I'm just going to say how it was. Like, when I was at school, I was like a fucking hyper. I did everything, mate. I did everything. My grades were all right. I had loads. Like I still got loads and loads of mates from school. I had the best time at school. I was like deputy head boy, captain of rugby. I was even in school musical. I loved it. Which you can imagine as well. Me when I was like probably 11 to 16 my head was massive, massive. I, was <laughs> mad. I really did feel like I was a shit then so you know if anyone would have said anything to me when I was at school genuinely like I can hearing your experiences I can kind of you know remember stuff but at the time I would have always had maybe something to come back with but that's just me like I'm not mm. you know that's literally just me and I feel like I was very very fortunate with that um and yeah probably if, if I do think about it some things were maybe yeah really really fucked up but you know, I just at that point, probably my head was so big, or I was enjoy- I enjoyed school so much that you know it didn't affect me that much. And that's just that's just me talking. I'm not. I'm not. Mm. No, nah, but it's a good point. Yeah, but like where when you talk about um, your interactions with people at school and stuff, like how did you feel about it? Did you feel it came from like a malicious place, or were these people like your friends at the time? Are these people still your friends? How how is that sort of? Yeah, I think like from from my perspective, like I. I think it's hard. I would say no, it didn't come from a malicious place. But I think what, and again, like, we'll get into this later in the pod, but what it was is, like, lack of education. And I think now, like, that behaviour now would be, like, so unacceptable because I'd like to think that, like, through the BLM movement and, like, through more people speaking up and everything else, like, people become very aware. But, like, when I was back in school, like, you know, like, it was kind of... I don't I don't want to use this wording but it was kind of like okay to say a racist slur like yeah. nothing would really happen like shaming someone for their skin like you kind of knew it wasn't good but you also knew it was kind of something you could probably get away with at the same time like I remember we had if I remember right there was like two dark skinned boys in my year and like some of the stuff that I get said to them like not only from people like from people at our own school it was bad enough but like when they because they were both on like I know one was definitely on like the rugby and football team like when other schools would come by and play them in sports like oh my god like the stuff that would get said was just mad and like that was out of out of malice and out of um lack of education but I think like my own personal experience was definitely just lack of education like it kind of came from like all sources really like I've even had that I look back on now and I'm like that was tapped yeah and like just to add on to what um Cass said and said obviously the main point is education and it was no like you know real like harshness or like really aggressive stuff behind it but for me that's where it starts Mm. you know and then before you know it we're all in our 40s we're all trying to get a certain job and they still feel that type of way what how they felt when they were yeah. just joking around yeah. and i think it's always it's it's it's, it's well, obviously we're going to speak our truth but these things grow and if, if we don't if we don't hit on the nail now when we have kids they're gonna go through the same mm. things and like like not not to bring up anyone that i know but obviously this this you, you guys know james that does bobsled yeah yeah he, he had an issue with his 
little yeah. one in the school a couple of weeks That's ago. Right. I don't want to like talk about it or anything like that, but like to hear like how far we've come mm. and to hear like oh, someone doesn't want to play man. with them because that because yeah. and, and I'm and I'm like that the needs education is very important, but there also needs to be like no. We we're not we're not gonna go there. You know what I'm saying? This this is it, and I think that the whole movement that's that's where all the powers come from. Like, there's no tolerance for it. Yeah, absolutely. And Joe, I find with that I was I was watching. I can't remember for life me his name, but he was on <clears throat> he was on Good Morning Britain. He was on Good Morning Britain chatting. Um, well, I can't remember what he was talking about. It's just a mixed race sort of um, writer oh, journalist. It, oh, it's not a Carla, is it? Not a Carla, no. He's got an Afro. I can't remember his name. I'll, I'll remember his name. I'll send you some stuff. But he was, he basically, and I think John Barnes has sort of done it as well. When they take this, when they go on shows, they, t- they, they kind of, it seems like they dismiss what we count, what we see as racism today or young people today's racial experiences because, and, I, I, and you know, it's that classic thing of, well, I know what racism mm. is. I know what racism is. And racism 50 years ago was this. So, anyone that has to deal with that you know is is it's not racism people need to sort of like uh, just get on with it or you know tough, get mm-hmm. on top of it and that's just what you know i think it's not over till it's like completely over and it's almost like the embers of a fire if you throw a bit of paper over it it's gonna pop off and that's probably you know in their eyes what this is yeah. but i just want to stress that point because i feel like sometimes people hear people's experiences and they compare it to you know real i'm you know, it was way. It was probably way worse. 50, yeah, years yeah, hundred percent. Now, but just because it's different and morphed doesn't mean the experiences aren't as. Bad yeah, as... we have this conversation yeah. with people where we're like, you know, like the literal N word, like doesn't have to be said for the incident to be classed as racist. Like, and also it's like racism is something that is extremely personal to like that said person. So like you could say something to me and I could deem that as like extremely racist whereas you could say it's like another mixed race person and they might not think it's that bad like it's very much like a a personal spectrum where like you have to respect like if someone calls you out they're not like and like I think people sometimes think that people of colour just love to call out racism like we really don't like it is so uncomfortable and so like we know it's not going to be like a really easy conversation so like if mm. if you're getting called out or, or someone you know is getting called out like it's for a reason like and that just sort of needs to be respected a bit mm. so yeah. i when you when did you start to like um you talked about when you went to mm. america and you started mixing with like you know i've actually i'm only proud to have gone so where you went on <laughs> oh, <America. that's> so, <laughs> so i know you went to georgia yeah. which is deep south which is yes south, right? <laughs> So we can actually, I'd, I'd like to know about a bit about that because I know some people who have been to Southern State Universities on track mm. teams and I've asked them about race and stuff like that. And it seems to me, an English person that's assimilated, you know, whatever in this country and mixed race guys, I mean, I, I mean, to be dramatic, it seems almost like, like unofficial segregation, some might it's, say. I it's don't know. interesting, kind you know, of. like I, what I'm going to say now is probably going to like, shock you but so like I've lived in three places I've lived in the Isle of Man I've lived in England and I've lived in in Georgia and Georgia is the place arguably off the top of my head Georgia is the place where I experienced the least racism top without a doubt England is second and Georgia is last like which is obviously shocking because like it's the deep south like 
rooted into their culture. But I think, like, for me, I... And again, Abs, this kind of touches on what I was saying to you before. I think I have mixed race privilege there because, like, I know dark-skinned people had it way worse than me. And I, like, so if I was, like, out in a group, like, with my friends, like, so I'm with, like, white people, me being mixed race, like, a couple of other light-skinned, like, black girls, and then, like, dark-skinned black girls. Like, the dark-skinned girls would get it so bad when we went to places. Like, it was crazy. Um, I think, like, Georgia was... Cap, yeah, sorry. go on. Sorry, what sort of stuff would they get when you say they Just, like, so bad? the N-word in the street, like... Or, like, because the town I was in, it's, like, an hour outside of Atlanta. The homeless population was quite big, and it was just, like... it's a, You know, it's a real mix, like... Because, obviously, you've got, like, all of these, like, white, middle-Asian, old American men that are, like, obsessed with co- college football but equally hate any of the players of colour. So, like, all these people are, like, piling onto the campus to come and do the tailgating and, like, come and get, like, drunk before the game. But then, like, when when the people... Like, when they're not on the field, they absolutely hate them. Like, it's just so interesting. Like, I think... When I think about America, like, I just remember being super conscious of the police because, like... One of the girls on the team said to me, like, it sounds so silly, but have you heard of, like, jaywalking? And I was like, no. And she was like, it's like walking across the road, like, without having a little green man, like, flashing. Because she was like, please, like, please are looking for, like, any people of colour that just jaywalk. So, like, please be careful. Like, don't break rules. Like, just wait. Like, I'd say America for me was more warnings than it was actual experiences, like, off the top of my head. Definitely. Mm. That's good, though. Getting yourself mm. prepared, isn't it? You never wanted to be one yeah. of those sort of things. Yeah, I, that's one of the things, like, I think I spoke about it, whether it was in an article I wrote or I can't remember, but I spoke about how kind of one of my regrets about my time in America was, like, almost being so cautious because, like, obviously the drinking age out there is 21 and I was literally, like, I don't want to be caught in a club at the age of 18 and not only be like um, under the age, but also be like a person of colour. Because I was like, what happens? Like, it sounds so crazy, but obviously the, the news and the media, like, and obviously just us being on social media, like, we know what happens to black people in America. And I was just like, I am not being no. one of them people. When you, when you said it was um, less than the least mm. racist place, like it reminds me of this uh thing that I've reading Malcolm X said was like you know to be wary like to be more wary of the like he says like the white liberal but essentially you have people that are overtly mm-hmm. racist and they're always going to show you their hands and yes, you know where you yes. stand with them but then potentially the ones that you know the real problem when it comes to combating racism is the people that sort of like dress up as white liberals yeah and, the what know, is it the sheep sort of the like, wolf in the sheep's clothing yeah wolves and sheep's clothing and it's it's not so visceral but it's it's potentially what you may have experienced mm. maybe at school or you know in england is that yeah that, that was case, like definitely or... the thing about america because i like, like when you see like a white man in cowboy boots with a maga hat on like i know i'm going in the opposite direction but whereas like in yeah. in england and the isle of man like is it your boss is it your co-worker is it the lady that serves you in the post office like you don't know 
yeah. yeah. You know, um, Kev, you got any more questions? I wanted to move on, or are you on that issue? Um, no, yeah, my one was like, so you talked about that having an mm. identity crisis, and I kind of relate in the sense that um, I think you like, well, your kids aren't yeah. you, your kids, so and you're growing up in England, the second generation England, and uh, my mum always told you know, you know being with my mum and my grandma I was aware of like my background which is which is Congo and stuff like that but I felt definitely as I've got older I've tried to embrace aspects of my culture a lot more just purely through reading just purely through like just not being a 16 year old kid that wants to be really yeah. good at sports and yeah. and chirps girls like <laughs> the evolution of my <laughs> my brain or whatever has led me to a place where I really am trying to like learn more about my culture and stuff but you said that when you started hanging around with the black girls on your team like and uh, maybe just talk about like how you sort of like embraced um you said you don't talk about like mm. black issues and whatnot you didn't speak out on them and that sort of experience might have helped you get there like what exactly sort of helps you in that yeah instance? well it was so definitely like i think first port of call is like so the guy um that i'm seeing his name is joel like we've been together since 2015 and like he so me and him both did athletics together from like a very young age but he came back he like retired at the like good old age of like 14 and then he came back and I remember like seeing him down the track and I was like oh my gosh like I remember this guy and then so me and him were like best friends for like two years and then we like started dating and I like I just like sort of remember because like so he's a he's a black guy um both his parents are Ghanaian and like he would just kind of like introduce me to things like black culture like sort of we like I don't know like do reading together and stuff and so that was kind of definitely the first thing where I okay this guy is like black and he's not ashamed of it whereas like obviously like I said earlier like I was just kind of ashamed of like my color and just not really knowing what I was and then like Joel kind of taught me just just a lot about like embracing myself and you know just like being myself and then I moved off to America and like had that conversation with the girls and it was the same thing like like you like we we all got TikTok we all had like on Instagram everything like when you see these like black girls in America like they are all feeling themselves and I was actually like looking at all these women and I was like you are incredible like you're out here like you're black like people literally just like just don't want you to succeed and you're all here just like doing your thing and killing it and looking good at the same time and it was just such an experience where I was like everything that I'm kind of ashamed to be I was almost like very nicely just put in this bubble of people that I all really looked up to that were just doing it while black and I was like this is mad and then yeah honestly like this isn't a podcast about like my athletics experience and stuff it didn't work out for me but like I always say that I'm thankful for it because like without America without America and without Joel like I honestly dread to think like who I would be as a person like I really do which is quite a scary thought but then lucky that I had have those people in my life yeah did you did you sort of like um what was your relationship like with your dad yeah really good I, I yeah yeah like or... it's it's interesting because you know how there's always those memes where it's like when your brother has kids you're going to be the dad side of the family like disgusting like yeah. the, my dad's side of the family like I really get on with them like 
I love them all so much. Like, it's very interesting. Like, both my mum's side of the family is, like, very widely dispersed. Like, one of my uncles lives in Malta. Like, we don't link up with them as much because, like, we cannot schedule anything. But, like, yeah, I would, like, my family relationships, like, with, like, my mum and my dad and my brother and with all my cousins and stuff is all great. I, I I wasn't I wasn't specific now. I forgot that you said um your mum your your mum what Jamaica sorry, where's your mum from again? Sorry, Jamaica. Yeah, that's what I was asking. Did you with your were you able to like your your grandma or anything mm. like that? I don't know much about like where your family is right now and stuff like that. But I think what I was getting at was the fact that um, as a mixed race person, what could be quite difficult, and I think from a young age, is you don't have necessarily like say if you're close. I was much closer and I saw mm. my, the white side of my family a lot more. And I saw the black side of my family, yeah. but I still saw them enough to sort of like have that from a very young age, that reinforcement of like you are Congolese. Yeah. And in a way, they allowed me to like accept who I was. I was half Congolese or whatever and taught me about aspects of my culture. I was really, really grateful for. But did, yeah, how was that like for you we don't up? see my mum's side of the family as much, but like it's it's one of them, like when we do, like the culture is rich. Yeah. Like you're not getting away from it. And it's yeah, the same, that's... like yeah it is really chill like my nana like so luckily now like like I said my mum her both her parents were Jamaican but my nana's moved over to Derby now so like literally if I like when I'm in Loughborough if I go to Derby like all of my family are basically like Mm. up the road bar a couple of people that are like out around so yeah like I definitely got exposed to it um yeah nice but yeah yeah so like moving on from your experience and that like with the whole movement i think a lot of people post pictures some people have conversations in there at home a lot of people have different ways of how they use the movement and moved on with it obviously with yourself you took it to another level with like the instagram page so if you can just give us like just the back like what does it stand for and like the name of it so the people listen so we created so there's a group of eight of us um we created people of colour Isle of Man so our, all of our Instagram is just P-O-C-I-O-M and all of our socials because basically like obviously abs like you know like god that June me and you were just turning up to training like <laughs> at our wit's end literally and like I was like did, n- not to jump into you but literally like the whole <laughs> movie me and Kath like just every day came to each other and we just we looked at each other like, so we're like, yes, like, like what's done. going on? Like, but, no, but honestly, I, I, I felt exactly the same at some points. I remember, like, for about two, especially two weeks, it was in between. There was like the mm. BLM protests in London, and I went to that, mm. and then it was like the white whatever oh. Winston Churchill Dick Ryder <laughs> fucking protests in London, <laughs> where some guys screaming like oh. burn the black cunt or whatever. I was there, just like I was Gone. like, I am gone like i'm actually just gone like like i was snapping at people like i was yeah. just not myself it was and it's it's just like, it was crazy it was honestly, me and abs like, were the same like crazy ellis yeah. do you remember ellis would be like hey today guys i mean i'll just be yeah. like lying on the floor like we can't do this today yeah. but no like so obviously like uh-huh. i'm having conversations with abs like Joel was living with me enough at the time that like, we're having conversations like mm. me and all of my black friends from England are all having conversations about this and then I was like well not me like basically a group of us just collectively realized none no one we know from the Isle of Man has even like acknowledged 
the death of George George Floyd or that BLM is like even happening. So we were like, right, we're going to create like, um, at first it was a Twitter. We were like, we're going to create like a social media platform that educates people about like the topic of race. Like what is BLM? Like what's happening? Let's just like start a conversation. So that was last June. And it's literally just like, it's skyrocketed since then. Like literally we all thought it was just going to be like a little Instagram page that eight of us would man, like it'd be really chill. And now like we're at a point where we're like, we have a working relationship with like the Isle of Man police force, have a working relationship with the IOM government. Like we're in schools, we're, we're like everywhere. It's absolutely crazy. And and, and and the thing is, I, I really rate that because I think with the movement itself and issues with our parents and our grandparents, we speak mm. about it, it goes under the carpet. We speak about yeah. it, but there's no action. Yeah, We need some action. And like with your whole page and, you know, us in the whole summer going through it, I, I, it was, for me, it's quite a very proud moment for me because I think, I, I think a lot of people have attempted to do what you're doing but like don't really have the energy for it. But I think it's it always needs to land on the right people that are gonna give it the full energy, not just like a couple yeah, of weeks yeah. of, you know, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. But you, you, the way that you've maintained it and carried on with it and like going into schools and like change making yeah. the topic more bigger than George Floyd. Obviously, you know, rest in peace with George Floyd and his family and everything, but you, yeah. you've made the issue bigger and you've you Because that's took it that's the thing education with like these and, these deaths, like you've got um tamir rice michael brown george floyd um brianna taylor the list goes on but like all of these people Mm. like literally like like you said that's like rest in peace but like all of these people died people spoke about it on social media for a week maybe two and then we moved like we moved on like it was not a thing whereas like george floyd like Honestly, like, do you know, there was just that phase where people would die, like, black people would die and die and die at the hands of the police. And you woke up and you saw it. And, like, no part of you was even shocked. You were just, like, another one. Like, damn, another one. And, honestly, like, I feel like for so many people, so for so many black people, George Floyd was just the edge, like, the absolute edge. Because, like, just how how public and how brutal that murder was... It just, it like literally couldn't mm. be ignored. It couldn't. Mm. I, I think as, I think as well because we've like, you know, it's not George Floyd wasn't the first black guy yeah. to be caught on camera. Mm. Uh, it's literally like you know, like you said, it's it's not an it's not an it's a not a normal thing, but you know, it's not an unusual mm. thing to hear. But I I think as well, like you know, I think the hundred percent a massive part in it. Like a yes. massive, massive point. One, that, that's a very good point, Kev. Very just because, point. yeah, like you know, it was you. Re- you really you just, were forced to look at it, weren't anything. you? People you went like, on Instagram, it was yeah, reposted. Yeah, you went on Twitter, it was there. Like you went on Facebook, it was there. Like you couldn't avoid it with your nine yeah. to five, with your oh, I'm a bit too busy because we were all locked in. But and like with, with the whole issue, it's like they, they obviously that incident happened and it it evolved into the sense of everyone started to look at their own personal experiences like it wasn't it, it came to such a big story where there mm. were so many different angles and there was like this has happened there's like institution races there's the police there's my experience when I was growing up 
no, no, this, this, that. And it just, yeah, the conversation got so big, which is which is great. It's really great. But for me, we'll, we'll dive into later mm. on. The conversation's got to be quiet. <laughs> this, the this conversation ain't going nowhere. We've got to talk about this all the time. Do you know what? Do you know what? And, and like, I think why I, why I rate what you did, Cap, as well, it's kind of like what I was thinking um, as well was like, because, you know, like I said, my head was in a kind of... It was just the haze, mess, wasn't it? Like, mess. yeah. An absolute haze. But I, I knew as well, I you like, it's, this happens for, for most people, for, for people in Minnesota, it happens outside mm. the restaurant, right? On a, on, a, on the street. But, you know, put, say like this, what happened to George Floyd happened on people's phones mm. and it happened on social media, right? And the, the sad thing about it is that, you know, thing is if you you can't change the rules of the internet the internet has its own rules and the internet always you know you can't change the rules of the internet and i just knew i knew i knew i knew i knew for everyone that was sort of like you know showing their support and all this sort of stuff and they you know may well be i knew this would be here today gone tomorrow because that is the nature of the internet and i think that's why i wrote what you're what you're doing because you you know it's it's about i think that you saw actually there's a lot of people it's like it's like it's like um marketing right you have like a hundred percent customers and you're mm. only going to keep maybe like 20 but you need to those 20 or those 20 people that are still trying to push this message you know that that needs to be you know i i still think i think it's higher but but i, I that's why i wrote with people who have actually like taken action and done stuff as well like how big or how small they've done but i think that's the one thing and i very much just, about just to add on to your point kev like how the internet has its rules and i think with the whole movement was going so strong and it was co- was going a couple more mm. weeks longer than it should have gone you know when things buzz comes up and then you, you got a couple people saying oh yeah you gotta stop talking about racism man can you it's what why are you, are you guys still talking about it come on like it's gone now and you, I, I saw a really good quote yeah they're like oh you, you guys are complaining about us talking about yeah. racism but imagine living it for your whole life like, i remember like that just deep it we got we yeah. talk about this all the time i remember we it's saw this post and it was like um Oh, let me think of the wording. It was like, are you suffering from allyship fatigue? So it was like any white people that are just really suffering with like seeing racism all over the timeline. Like, here are some tips, like log off for a bit, like distance yourself from your POC friends because obviously they're talking about it. And I was thinking, imagine having the cheek to say to white people, are you tired of seeing racism on your Instagram? Log off then. Because, like, like Ab yeah. said, like, we are living it every day. Like, the death of George Floyd, like, might just be another death to you. But for us, like, we were walking around in a haze for weeks. Like, some of us still are today. Mm. But your little, like, allyship fatigue mm-hmm. is a little bit too much for you to handle. Like, what? Mm. It was just, it was just, it was a crazy time. It was a crazy time. But just, just speak on a bit more about, the Black Lives like my, my, um, <laughs> can't, can't even get my words out my mouth. The Black Lives Matter movement. Um, what's your opinion on it, like as a whole? Like, you know, how do you, how did it affect you, and how, how? Yeah, it, like, I made think you as a it's interesting because obviously, like, POC IOM was birthed out of the BLM movement and like a few other things that happened on the Isle of Man, and like, it's really interesting because, like I said, there's eight of us in that group. And basically all of us said that like until we found each other last June, we have never ever felt comfortable talking about race on the Isle of Man. Like I'm the youngest in the group and I'm 23 in like two weeks, three weeks. So like we've got people at like the big old age of 28 that are like, 
I've never felt comfortable talking about race until June 2020, like, which is just mad. So, like, the BLM movement for me, it's, like, it's really just, well, A, like, Abs knows, like, I've been so into my athletics. Like, that's always, I've literally said, if I'm not doing athletics, I wouldn't want to do anything else. But now, like, I found such a passion in, like, campaigning for this work and everything else like I just feel like there's like a whole new me with a whole new lease of life because like I'm so dedicated to like wanting to make a change and wanting to see like better in this world but I think like BLM it's just a train that people hop on and off which is really sad like like again so like George Floyd happened last June it's his trial like well not his trial it's Derek Chauvin's trial it started on Monday like yeah. no one's talking about it yeah. like no no one no no one could care less mm. like what happens like just because they posted their mm. black square last June like they're like did the job like mm-hmm. yeah and like just just to add on with like how it affected you and how it's like for me personally yeah it's 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 made people that are not black we go like right these mm. guys are actually having a hard time out here mm. and i think that that's 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 the that's the, the not not it's not nice bit but it's the bit that feels like mm. okay we're not fighting it ourselves now we've got a couple of people that mm. don't look like us yeah but really you know on our side and they're like yeah this is this is not right this is not fair and i think that that's the nicest bit about it because i always felt before it was always us fighting it this time it felt like yeah. it was we well, that were kind of fighting people it. that said like oh i didn't think so. like so obviously like you said abs like and and kev like the video of george floyd surfaced and people started talking about their stories and then like so many people were like i didn't think this was still an issue today like the fact that people only tuned on last year that racism was still a thing yeah and i wouldn't even i'm not gonna say the person's name but someone that i worked with well i currently work and you know like certain jobs i don't know if you've done one like kevin if you've done one but like i work for loughborough university and you've got to do certain things um certain mm. like job roles like first aid and there's one like on discrimination there's so many different hr stuff and like there's a bit when it comes about racism and like how in the workplace and all that sort of stuff and obviously as me being a manager obviously i've got to get people to you know do it this is the mm. part that you know you make sure you've got to tick the boxes and that and then one of the you know, I'm, you know i'm not gonna say no names but someone at work with to be like do you think there's, there's still racism in England? Like, is it still going on? This is all before like George Floyd. Like, this is maybe like two year, two three years ago. And I've gone, yeah, it's it's real. Like, and like like I never gave it mm. much. Umph. That was the end of the conversation. And I just feel like it's it, it's it's some people literally <laughs> thought we were good. Can I can I just quick, can I just quickly speak on that? And it's just yeah. like what what I feel as well is that <clears throat> you hear and it's right what people say. People say and you know. People get annoyed because they go, England is one of the most tolerant, progressive places in the world. And that is true. That is that is true. Like, I would fuck living in France or Italy mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, fuck these places. I, there are countries that are worse than us. But here's mm-hmm. where it's just absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion, because on the other hand, these people, like, we can't be the same people. With, like, just on your point, Abs, of people asking, is there racism in Britain? And people go, oh, it's not that bad. It may not be as visceral. Mm-hmm. It may not be as what you know as bad as what you see in America. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? But it's like, how can we, as British people, these same people, you know, lord over the fact that Britain, um, you know, is a global leader? Is uh, is is this like 
you know hotbed of tolerance and whatnot and then kind of like accept that the, the racism that we still experience like that's the one thing that winds up the most because it, it's it's a it what people say is that when they when they say to you it's like oh i didn't know it existed because it might they're comparing it to other stuff but it's that contradiction of like well great britannia isn't it great britain the same shit that gets spouted off by um you know people let's say like people were campaigning for mm. brexit or whatever the fuck they were campaigning for about but how like, great our country is and it's like we're willing to accept but what gets me about that is like people that you like you said like bustling on about like all oh, rural britannia like oh we're so progressive but the reason this country is where it mm. is today is because of the people that came over from the colonies and built it up to what it is today like i'm sorry like all the windrush generation like yeah. all of these people where like britain like reached out to these countries and said come come to england like we'll give you work we'll give you this we'll give you that like help us build up after the war and then they get here get treated like absolute mm. crap but keep doing the work and then now like we've got an incredible nhs and people mm. are like rural britannia well mm, do you really know who built that up but, for you like and even even before that as well like one of the things you know i vividly remember from school is that so one of the books shout out oh, uh, what David a g what Olasuga, book? black and british it's a it's a it's a massive book i mean i've pretty much spent to me about in lockdown it's about like a good month to read it's a mm. it's a big book but you know really good book but you know one of the things and obviously that charts like britain's relationship with africa in like the 16th century the 15th century and, and where it soured you know looking at like the triangular mm-hmm. um slave business global slave business and how that relationship soured and whatnot and then tra- charts it to where we are now and obviously in that book you know a lot of it is like the savagery of the British British empire and you know first um primary re- primary sources he goes through in archives and stuff of first how to count like slave boats and all this sort of stuff and it's just mad to think that you know if I go back to like mm. as young as year four and we get, we learn about the empire, we learn about in, however vaguely like 16th century Britain or 17th century Britain, you literally go like the empire was great. It was a time where uh, <laughs> we brought tea over from India. And Churchill and was Queen a hero. Was, made us really rich. And it's like, uh, yeah, and, and all this sort of stuff. But it's like, I man, never knew I was living a lie. <laughs> Churchill. I never knew. The whole movement, the whole movement changed me, man. I learned stuff. I used to watch Churchill on, on, the, on the wall. I was like, yeah, man, you saved us from World War II. I was living a lie, but, but But, Abs, that's, like, that's another thing of, like, how, you know, like, the school system is just so messed up. Like, one, you, just the lack of, like, educated yes. kids. If this was to happen in, like, North Korea, you know, and you give this all to attack, we criticise, like, China and North Korea and even America for giving people this sort of, like, one-sided reality of their history and whatnot but on the churchill one as well it's like you know on jarring for, for that it's 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 mad to think that we've been brought up like that because he's like he is and it, and what i don't understand like even you know to remove remove any sentiment of how you feel about this right he is the most biographed mm. one of the most biographed men in history which means he wasn't absolutely perfect in any way like remove any sides of whatever you think about him it means, it quite literally means, he did some good stuff, notably the First World War, and he did some fucking shit. And I don't understand mm. why people can't get that. Why people can't get that. Or just like, treat you know, even if you are, you know, if you have a slight amount of objectivity in your thinking, you are going to know that, you know, he's not all that. And 
and the conversation i'm all for the conversation of should we celebrate people or should we you know statues people go on about statues about like oh it's such a big thing like why can't we just take down the yeah. statue based on today's perception of what we think is good you could have had it before and it's not discrediting it and i can disagree with myself and say i don't like deleting things about history so maybe keep the statue there but like teach I, I, churchill I objectively with, with the statues keep the statues there but yeah. also this was, on the statue say what they did this exactly. was something that they, what, poc what like happened, recently you know? got involved with it was like you know on like facebook you have like buy and sell things where you post things and people comment and buy them so someone on like an island man buy and sell site was selling a gollywog and like loads of people were like really interested in this item rare, rare, rare and like the post was getting like so many racist jokes underneath it blah 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 and then we like wrote a whole like it's just sort of educating people on like why gollywogs now like aren't really socially acceptable like the, the meaning behind them like why they're actually so racist and like so many people got in contact with us just being like because we we're like all for like we don't want we're not saying like get all the gollywogs and burn them we're just saying like if, if like know the meaning behind them like because like all of these like 60 70 year old women were like oh i had a gollywog when i was a kid and i absolutely loved it it was just a harm, harmless cartoon and you're like well no because if you actually look at the meaning like it's a deception of like it's dehumanizing black people it's painting them out to be like such a villain like blah 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 and we actually had um manx national heritage approach us and they were like we want to post your letter like up in our museum alongside our display which does have like some gollywogs in there to educate people on the topic because like wow. like you were saying about statues like i'm all for that like don't just have statues of these people that did terrible things and just be like our war hero like actually tell people what they were up to like mm. the disruption that they caused yeah i think mm. you 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 solve people's anger as well because like by actually just giving people objective information you're on the fire you're mm. not fueled like i think a lot of people you know yeah and, and people get angry when they're told you know you see like this the anti-blm movements i think that's a lot of people and when white people get defense about race i think a lot of that is because it's a climate yeah. in which people are being told what to think and they see stuff and they might feel like being whereas if we had a better school system that objectively as very basic as sort of said like okay britain's history we, we you yeah. know did this but we also did that like we you know and and let and just educate people instead of like now just like yeah. letting them grow up with this perception of like what britain is and what churchill is and then you know at a time where it's like really heated and quite critical in you know where, where it's heated sort of like telling people like what you're what you think is kind yeah. of yeah like, it's kind of you know, well my it's, friend it's, it's cut, not attacking people my friend jacob has this really good analogy where it's like kind of all this stuff about like the the history that we're taught and like like the racism that's knitted into our society it's as if like the british um public have been like plaiting plaiting hair for like 50 60 years and then imagine like yeah. some kid comes along and tells you oh in the first five years of that plat you made a massive mistake you'd be like i'm not going back and redoing that like all this work like this is what i know i'm used to this technique like yeah, yeah. and that's the thing is like there kind of has to be this non-shame and actually realizing that the stuff that we have been allowing and like have been parroting back to like kids in schools and to everyone else like actually does need a bit of a rethink mm. so just to move on um mm -hmm. like you know white privilege 
the question is, is white privilege real? And what I want to add on to that, because for me, that the word white privilege, mm. I only learned about it recently. I'll say about three, four years ago that the white heard the word like wiggling around. And I was like, mm, don't, didn't really understand it. And obviously with the movement, it was more clear, like, you know, it, it actually is a really, really a thing. But for you, mm. with the page and your experience, Cam, oh, 100%. Like, like, is it real? You just. it really baffles me to think that some people can like look at society at how it is today and not and deny the the existence of white privilege like it it exists in work environments in healthcare like in schooling like in everywhere like it was it was just today that um a school in london tried to ban afro hair and colorful hijabs like imagine like you don't boys can't come in school with gel in their hair like that that doesn't happen and like the same like if you look at healthcare, um like black women are four times more likely to die during childbirth like black people yeah like black people are statistically not given um drugs like like white people are so like if i well no if a dark-skinned person was to go into a hospital saying that they're suffering with, like, stomach cramps and a white person wants to do the same, like, the white person is actually more likely to get the treatment that they need compared to the black person because it's perceived that black people have a higher pain tolerance. And again, like, just with work environments, like, a girl in POC, like, she always tells us about how hard it, how hard it's been for her to get promotions at work, whereas, like, white people have come in with, like, five years less experience and they're straight into the position that she's been gunning for for, like, two, three years, like it's it's absolutely rife in society and and it's not like because i you have to look at yourself and be like what privilege that i have so like i have the privilege of being a straight woman i have the privilege of being able-bodied i have the privilege of like not being born in like a war-torn country like i have so many privileges and that's not something i should sit here and be like oh well i'm not going to accept that i'm better off than someone in a wheelchair like you just have to like you just have to accept that because like there's there are proven facts that show that someone like a dark-skinned person compared to a white person or someone in a wheelchair compared to an able-bodied person is is better off like it it really baffles me yeah and and just to add on to that because for me personally when that word came out and I learned about it and you know did my own research about it I look back at my life and I was like Mm. I went through a bit of it during secondary school so like you know, school for me, sports, P, that was my thing. I, that I that was where. I, but when it came to like maths, English, that was my weak point. I was never really great at it. It was like you know my weaknesses. I wasn't a fan of it. But there was an instant where you know, yeah. like when you do your GCSEs, there's a higher paper and there's lower paper, isn't mm. it? I was always pushed to the lower paper. Always pushed to the lower paper, and yeah. they, they didn't think I was capable to do it. And there was one topic, one topic, media where this the teacher was like no i mm. think you'd be good for the high paper i passed it did well all the low papers i didn't really do i didn't i didn't, never did really that great on and like me education yeah wise, i think i was always pulled back just because of the color of my skin and it sounds people might go what, really no, i've been very honest like i was pulled so back and they let it stop <laughs> me out here with the masters and that you feel me but it, it, the, the the direction that I went wasn't the typical direction. Mm. I didn't do GCSEs, then A levels, then uni, then masters. I literally went, did really bad in my GCSEs. Mm. Had to go college, catch everything back up, 
go through a foundation course in university, mm. get that third um, that third year, top it up with a proper degree, then actually get into the master's. So my mm. direction was, there was hurdles. Have you hurdles. read um, Nathan? So, you know, that, that's for me anyway. Because, like, he speaks about in the book, doesn't yeah. he, how yeah, um, book, he yeah. was put in, like, special education classes and then someone from his church what's what's he doing in those classes and they're like oh well you know like he's he's um he's not very bright and they're like this is actually the brightest child we know like get him into proper classes and that's like such um it happens like it's not just something that you read in a book like we go on abs and, and but look yeah and just just to add on to that because like, obviously i've got dyslexia in it oh, and i was yeah. diagnosed with that at university I was running through this since primary school, man. I was struggling to read everything. The people, the close friends know. When I drop a text message, half it doesn't make sense. Okay? <laughs> but like, I've I've had this issue for ages, for ages, mm. holding me back. Imagine, imagine the potential that if I had the right support, the right people, like this what, love, no, I could have been. This is what I'm been saying. A scientist on the moon, blood. You feel me? But I'm just saying, like, I was, I was mm. so held back just on my skin color, literally. And when you when you think about, but the thing is, well, one thing which I, you know everyone knows, but I'm quite positive. So I don't, I never dwell on it and use it as an excuse. I'm still trying to, you know, be better myself and you know achieve you know big things. But when I look back and when it all kicked mm. off with the movement, I was just like, I went through yeah. some madness. Mm. One, uh, one, one analogy like I've always thought works well for like mm. white privilege. Just like you know when you're looking for houses, student student houses, right? Mm. and uh they go they mm. look at it and they go well this is a four bedroom house right it's a four bedroom house four people in there but you you go through and one of the rooms or two of the rooms are really really small right they're, they're not the, they're not like bedrooms, closet, two yeah. double bedrooms and you've got like you fit a double bed in there mm. it's kind of small it's it's a three bedroom house it's quite literally a three bedroom house and someone like sort of you know if you look at the sort of like the base of where people where people think like work privilege comes from i think it's the fact that like the world we live in was designed for you know and and built at a time where mm. the white black white male man was you know scientifically at that point as well the superior being and mm. everything was sort of like catered them if you look at the house of parliament if you look at like our grand institutions and stuff like that they were dominated made and to preserve yeah like white male lineage lineage as well and and I think what I found is, and do you know what as well? Why? Because I, for a second, I was just like, why does the phrase white privilege just piss me off? Like, why does it annoy me when people go, my white privilege? It's because I feel like when you deep what it is, yeah. it's so ridiculous that we're even having to like discuss it. Because for me, like, you know, where, where I listen to people, like what they deem like white privilege is, it's sort of flipped the other way. It's like, I know, you know, for us as people of color, we'll have these things in our heads where if I get with a white girl in my head, I go, well, she's got a white family. Yes. And you, you, yes. you think about what that might mean. And even when you join, you, you go into a job and then you're in, you, you meet, you see all your team on teams and you go, you immediately, you, you immediately think in the back of your head, someone's going, you're the only black guy here. What, you know? And it's, it's, that's, mm. that is a ridiculous thing to think about say yeah. out loud in a, you know what I mean? And it's I think that's yeah. also what white privilege is. It's the thought of, well, I'm this and I'm in this situation. Mm. And you can take it to the extreme of like you being in America and you have mm. to think about how you act with the police as well. I remember mm. as small as it was, some of my family from Belgium, we were walking through my town centre and they 
mm. asked me my my cousin Mira was like so where are all the black people then and it's those little thoughts as well which is like well white people don't have that thing where they consider yeah. what their um partners well they might do partners yeah. dads might think of them or what it's like and if there's any people of color in the workplace or they're the only black person on the football team they never have you know, never have to think about these things is, yeah and i think it explaining does, that yeah. to people sounds well, ridiculous because it is ridiculous but and it's uh, and it can, it can yeah, often be dismissed because it's that ridiculous it's like what, what, what do you mean and it's a very much and i've only learned to accept this as a sort of like because I used mm. to hate when people go like you will never understand because but like yeah if you've not so true, the like, if you've not lived in that and you've not had these experiences yeah. and hey, hey Kevin just just before we're not gonna I don't, I don't know if we're gonna speak well I think we will speak on it but just what you just said yeah it's women when it comes to men that yeah. what you just said yeah and I listened to a podcast the other days and they were saying you know how women feel about men and the whole situation with you know what's been going the last couple of weeks yeah it's a, it's so similar to the the, the, the race argument like mm. you, you don't know unless you're going through it yeah exactly you literally and like if and if someone's saying this is how we feel and this is our ex- this is our experiences like you're like nah come on nah nah, nah. This, that's yeah not, well like true. just um no, tracking really back true. into kev what you were saying Wait. about like work and stuff i actually had an experience in 2018 so like was i ain't gonna bait out the cafe on this podcast because I don't want a lawsuit coming my way, but basically I was like looking for work, applied for work at this cafe, like sent them my CV, like my name is like, you would not read my name and think like, oh, that's like a black girl. Like they replied to me that day and they were like, we're really interested in you. Like you have great experience. Like, can we have a phone interview? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Again, like Kev, you said at the start of the podcast, like you wouldn't listen to me and again think like, oh, she's black. Did my phone interview, like, they were literally like, oh my gosh, you've aced this interview. Like, can you come in for a trial shift? And I was like, yeah, no problem. Like, I'm free this weekend. Yep, come in this weekend. That'd be great. That'd be great. Like, walked into the cafe. This other white girl was finishing her shift. Like, she was like, the manager, I overheard the manager saying like, oh, just sit there for a minute and we'll get it all cleared off. And I walked up. I was like, oh, hi, I'm on the, the trial shift next. Like, um, how was it? She was like, oh my gosh, they're all so friendly. Like, it's great. It's really good. And then... So, like, the manager was finishing up with her and he, like, kept glaring over at me. I finished up with this girl and I was like, hi, I'm Catherine. Like, I'm here for the 2.30 trial shift. And he literally, like, looked me up and down. And he was like, yeah. oh. And I was like, oh, is there a problem? He was like, oh, I just wasn't. No, no, it's fine. And he was like, oh, I'm not sure if your hair's, like, cafe appropriate. Like, my hair was, like, because I, like, my oh, my hair was God. 2018. And what, what, what my hair was washed. Like, tied this? it up in, like, a tight, tight bun. And I had like a bandana on. He was like, your hair's not cafe appropriate. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like this is, I, well, I was just like, this is all I can do with it. And he was like, oh, I guess it's going to have to do. None of the staff spoke to me for the whole shift. Like it was, and I, I think I let, well, it was really weird. Cause they're like, oh, like you can have the job, but like we're interested in other people. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to go home. And then I, I emailed them when I got home. I was like, I'm not interested, but like, it was actually the fact that I sat with this girl before and she was like, they're so friendly. Like, they've been mm. so helpful to me all shift. And they just, like, stuck me in the back washing dishes. No one spoke to me. Like, they were all so rude to me. And I, I was literally just thinking the whole whole time, I was like, this is because I'm black. This is because I'm black. Truly. Mad. It's mad. That's mad. Yeah. It's jarring, I, I isn't it? To... Like... That sucks. I, I literally that's came home hear, and my housemate was like, how yeah. was it? And I was like, 
I can't, I was like, I can't talk about it with you. Like I, I just went and sat in my room and I was like, I can't talk about this now. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I was gonna? I was. I wanted to. So I put in. I put in our notes. Remind her to read passage on this. Right. It's not a passage. It's from a Carla's book. Right. Mm. This passage. Pass the Kev. But what mm. he talks about. I think um, we all do athletics. We all do athletics. Right. So I kind of wanted to talk about this next. And in the book, it's a oh. chapter where Akala talks about uh, Olympic Christie, but he talks about sort of like, yeah, that was one of my favourite chapters. But essentially what he talks about is like before the 200 metre final at mm. 2012 Olympics where Usain Bolt's like, you know, everyone's going to you know, cream themselves at Usain Bolt. Um, they cut, they talk about, talk about Christopher Lemaitre and they make a big deal about how, you know, he's the only white guy to have broken, he's one of four white people to... Um, break 20 seconds in the sprints, right? So I just wanted to, I'll, I'll paraphrase this like next three pages. I'll go in and out and I'll directly read some and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it talks about that. So Carla says, you know, they int- they're going to introduce this documentary on why Christopher Lemaitre and being a white sprinter and all this sort of stuff. And Carla points out that like, what's weird about it is that 40% of men on earth are from India and China. Not to mention the rest of the non-white but black world. Yet whoever wrote this script seems entirely unconcerned with the lack of presence of their lack of presence in the Olympic sprint finals. A very clear white nationalist statement is being made. The issue that white men are not winning, which should apparently be the norm. And to, to, make, to make matters worse, it's the black men defeating them, um, as if there's a com- uh, permanent competition between blacks and whites. So then he talks about sort of like the documentary, yeah. which is sort of like well, the Jamaicans, uh, the Jamaicans like were tracing, slaves. Um, <laughs> black sprinters back to like, it's, yeah, does that right? So basically, goes on to say like Colin Jackson, who refutes it on air, and um, you know he's part of a study where he finds out it's all about having like fast twitch muscle fibers, and it's you know it's non-discriminatory. It's like you it has it in white people or whatever, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah. He goes on to sort of say, and Michael Johnson um, goes on to say, like, who apparently also made a documentary about how, um, you know, Jamaicans can be traced back as slaves, sadly, right? But what um, what Akala goes on to say, that, like, the fact that this needs explaining, that the fact that, like, Black people are so dominant in sprints needs explaining. And he goes on to say, like, he remembers, like, at, when he was a 90s football fan, watching like becoming Ajax and it wasn't like they they talked about you know the training facility Johan Cruyff as a coach the culture everyone loving football and whatnot similar with like Spanish football as well when they were dominant between like 2012 and when they won the World Cup in 2010 and 2014 and whatnot but then what he goes and say which is really really good uh let me just find it sorry I'm paraphrasing right here but he goes on to say, to get to the root of how ridiculous the slave sprint correlation is, let's look at, look at some of the basic common facts. So he goes on to say, before Usain Bolt's victory in Beijing, Jamaica have never produced a single male 100 metre gold medalist. Yet we're apparently being asked to believe there are some latent super slave genes suddenly manifests itself 140 years after the abolition of slavery at the birth of one Saint Usain St. Leo Bolt. Brazil was roughly 40 times as many black people as Jamaica and and was the last country in the Western Hemisphere to abolish slavery, yet not a single Brazilian has ever so much ever so much won ever so much as a bronze bronze in 100 metres. Going to talk about all this sort of stuff. Mm. But what I, like, you know, talks about mm-hmm. how ridiculous that sort of, like, notion is. Mm-hmm. Like, we all did sprinting and we all did sport probably from a young age as well. And, like, touching mm-hmm. on that and to build upon, like, 
we know like in the way that footballers for example if you are if you play football it's very likely as a black young boy you're going to either play on the wing you're over going to and the description like coach is going to use of you is like you're strong and you're physical and it's less that you're technical you can play in the pockets similar with rugby as well i played a lot of rugby um and you know it's very rare i think you even see at international level black players playing in really highly technical positions like hooker 10 scrum half way more likely that you'll see him play a wing 13 like places where mm. you know you, you're you, you're relying on those physical assets i was just wondering like you know and the classic one for me would be probably in my school football team and you know as a person of color playing in a team who's often the only per- person of color in the team it'd be the case of especially down south was not you know it's not like london or a big city city and it's not really a, that multicultural whatever you know you'd see someone from the opposite mm. team and everyone would be like oh my god he must be really good or really fast and all sort of stuff i want to know what everyone's like sporting because obviously we've all ended up in athletics but like how do you feel like you got there into Abs, athletics to as opposed to like other sports for example yeah i, I, I can go first i be quite quick and short so me growing up football was life that's all my mind was football mm. football football and then I had a PE coach, and this PE coach, everyone kind of rated him. He was like the ex kind of pro that kind of made it, but didn't make it. But it, and now as a PE teacher, and he was like, "You're really quick. You're really quick. Like the football, not really the control. You know, you don't really have it in you, but you just you're really, really quick." So I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm good at something. This is something I can do. Let, let's let's sports day come. Sports day come. Everything <laughs> up. You get me? First place medal and that. You feel me? And it, it was it was just people just saying, oh, you're really quick, you're really quick, this is this is what you should do, this is where you should go, and all this and that. And then it kind of just, for me, that's where it kind of took off. And I was like, okay, this is education, like I said before, wasn't popping. Football, which I really loved, it, it wasn't going anywhere. So I was like, okay, I'm quite I'm quite fast, I'm quite good, let, let me it's go. kind of similar, sort of to be so honest, like, like, my brother was a proper keen footballer as well, but, like, um, me and my brother... At our primary school I think me and him were like cross-country champs like he was he's two years above me but he was cross-country champ I think like basically every year and then I was like three or four times cross-country champ and then like the same like we would do our little thing like come away with some with some hardware <laughs> my dad and we're like oh we actually think like these two are pretty good like we know one of the local athletics clubs manx harriers they do like a league on a wednesday night you should take them down and like so we went like one one big headed we're like oh dad can we go back next week like i want to win i want to win and then both of us just like from there just i i was set that i was going to be 100 meter world champ when i tell you she like i'm i'm doing it and then all all the kids over the 100 were getting quicker and I was just staying at like my current PB is still 12.8 and I was like no nope, I'm gonna be 100 meter champ and my coach was like Catherine I bet one time and I did it like I think I broke the island record by like three seconds or something and my coach was like you are never running the 100 again and that's yeah that's how I got into it Kev uh... what about you Kev same it's pretty much the same to be fair like uh year eight just <laughs> banged up sports day claimed the titles uh, year nine banged it up again did town sport did yeah 
Do you know what it is? I did town sports, county sports, bang them up. And I went to <laughs> Southwest regional ones and I got smacked. I got smacked. I got smacked. <laughs> guy called uh, guy called Ronnie Wells. He he ran for Bournemouth in the end. Really, really good runner. But again, like a short white guy, you know, getting smacked up by white guys, all this sort of stuff. And then I was just like, I really liked it. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm not going to go through this again. Next time I come here, I'm going to like win mm. it. So it, it, it's, it's it's an interesting topic, man, because mm. people, we are pushed to do certain events, certain types yeah. of positions and sports, and it, it's crazy because like. Like, you know, there's the Chelsea goalkeeper now and he's black. And I think, to be fair, every generation is different. Every generation would have had the black goalkeeper or the old hip. Mm. Now, you're seeing black people do different sports and, you know, mm. succeed and do well, which is, you know, it's really good. And like, I think swimming is probably the greatest example of yeah. like, you know, black people can't swim. Like, I still, how long has that I still been? Get asked, like, like, just to, a, this, I, to this day, like, that's a common question I get like, every summer, like, especially being on the Isle of Man, like, oh, we'll go to the beach today, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Catherine, are you coming? Because I bet you can't swim. I'm like, but but you know what the joke? Like, I'm actually just a shocking swimmer because I hate you know water. So, like, it's just embarrassing because, like, I bet you can't swim. I'm like, I, I biologically can, but I'm not very good. And they're like, ah, because you're black. And I'm like, no, because I'm just not gifted in that area. Like, just leave me be. And, like, I've gone to people and I'm like, okay, yeah. like, I'm not terrible but i'm okay i'm not i'm not gonna i can i can you know i can do something you know what i'm saying and, I, and i've got a really close friend that he's amazing it's so swimming. sad he's amazing at swimming and i'm just like it's just it's sad isn't it yeah but do you know what is yeah i i mean on the other stuff like swimming and that i i i, I think that's a bad <laughs> yeah. as well like, i grew up by the sea so i was just like thrown out of the boat when i was like nine <laughs> or eight or something like that until just just get back to the beach and so that's how i sort of learned to swim but, hey, yeah. but um, quick, quick question because obviously we we spoke about the page. What's the future of the page now? What's moving like anything that you've got planned? Yeah, it, yeah. We, well, it wasn't on the pod before we spoke. We, well, talked we got about like and so basically because like, at the moment what, it's what, what you like, guys got planned? Volunteer work like this has taken up like so much, so much, so much of all eight of us, all of our time. So we're trying to establish as a business slash charity so we can like hopefully work towards getting a wage and stuff. But like obviously that's just personal reasons because we're putting in like hours of work a week and I, yeah like I girl like me hasn't had a paycheck since January so yeah. like <laughs> need to start seeing something um but yeah like future of the page like mm. we're uh there's, there's no there is no hate crimes legislation on the Isle of Man so like I could walk down the street someone could shout the n-word at me and there was like no that that is like absolutely abiding by all laws like everything so we're trying to get hate crime legislation brought in like again like we're just trying to get around offices and offer like um offer business packages the government has just asked us to deliver like 300 plus workshops like all government sectors like it is and then like again we've got a working relationship going on with the police because i think like this is the beauty of doing something like this on the isle of man because like essentially what we can do I can email government and reach the equivalent of Boris Johnson and he replies to me by the end of the day. Like it's that, it's that easy. So like when we've like literally been going in for meetings about like adding legislation, taking this out, thinking about this, like it is as literally as if we're walking into like Downing Street and just being like, Boris, this needs to change. Just just on that, so for people that don't know and I don't know, it's like the Isle of Man. So yeah, yeah, like we Jersey, so we have like Guernsey, we have like tech we're like ruled by the Queen or but we okay. have our own government, like but it's overseen by the Queen. But yeah, like we have our own yeah. government and stuff, yeah. 
go. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. No, it's good. No, it's, it's nice to hear that because and people that are listening or people that are intrigued in the, the conversation that we're having, it's nice to see people take the movement to another stage and another level because I think mm. with any sort of movement, it's it's always gonna it's always gonna dip. Something else is always gonna creep up. But when you start to to yeah. make a difference, that's and, the thing. Like, and do something about it. Like, I, I rate it so much. Yes, like, love that. Any, any <laughs> nah, it's like, like the demand for like what we're doing. That. Not only exactly. like starting on the Isle of Man. Like the demand is absolutely rife. Like because people like you're, we're saying people in England don't know what racism is. Like the Isle of Man does not know what racism is. So like us going in and being like, hey, you can't call black people the N word anymore. They're like. Like I didn't know, and you're just thinking, "Oh my gosh." Cat, mm. you, you like you've said about like having working relationships and stuff. And I'm guessing it was not easy, or, or has it been easy? Like, have you oh, had yeah. to, like, as a group, like really, like you know, smash some ceilings and like, like how how has how has that been to like get to a stage yeah. where you can? Like you say, it's like been it's been like tricky like because there's been like pushback been like? from the Manx public because like the Isle of Man is very much like a very happy little bubble. So like so for example, the Isle of Man. So obviously like COVID's going on at the moment. Like Isle of Man got hit by COVID when we did in March. They got rid of like all COVID, like shut the borders, got rid of all COVID cases in June. Yeah, June twenty. Sorry, um, and then. Like, so from June until, like, three weeks ago, we had, like, no COVID cases at all. So it's been, like, free life, like, pubs, clubs, everything's been open. But, like, just for comparison with, like, how small the bubble is, like, people, like, never open the borders again. Like, don't let any foreigners in. Like, students can't come back at Christmas. Like, the Isle of Man is, like, so happy being its own, like, self-contained little bubble where no one can ever... Like, if you rock the boat on the Isle of Man, like, literally, someone someone traveled back from england so like came back from england had to isolate for two weeks on our man because of like covid and stuff they filled up their car with petrol on the way home police caught them and were like you literally were supposed to go straight to your house um this got released at like someone who came from england was out and about but being like hang them like they need to be hung in public like so like anyone that comes and like rocks the boats so like oh, of course like POCIOMs just turned up and been like okay guys time to address racism and there's been like so much pushback but it's interesting because like the pushback's been from the public whereas like we thought government would be really hard to talk to and that the police would be really hard to talk to but it's been great because they've been very willing to listen like although we have had like some challenges with people or organizations or whatever like for the most part at the end of the day like our group is eight very intelligent people so I think it's quite hard for them like not to take us seriously because we we don't come in and like attack them and you know like throw white privilege on them or say like you are racist like we're just kind of like we're here to have like an open honest discussion with you about like how you can better yourselves like we were like you got like you guys are the face of the island like people look at look at you for protection so let's talk about how maybe you can include other ethnic minority groups mm. so that they feel like they've got you on side as well. And it's 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 been like, like I said, there's been some pushback, mainly from like 
the general public and like the Facebook trolls but like regarding the groups that really matter I've been extremely pleasantly surprised with the reaction and I just hope that hope like you like I think you said earlier abs it's yeah Mm. with things like this it's hot topic like BLM was hot topic back in June last year and then some people aren't paying attention anymore but Mm. so far on the Isle of Man like we've still got their their um Mm. like a hold on them which is great Mm. yeah yeah what would you just say in that because i like i think a lot of people uh well maybe a lot of people to people that may be listening to this or to anyone that sort of like wanted to Mm. do this but may have been like oh we're just just gonna get so much pushback from the local government they they can't fix the skate park like what they're gonna fucking do about institutional racism or anything like that like what would you say to people that might try to want like want to replicate POC uh IOM like what were the biggest mm. like challenges you as a group like had when it when you came to like organizing and coming together and then presenting your ideas to the council and getting to first the of all I would now? say like, like what advice would you have people wanting to start like, that journey like I said like we've we're in a very fortunate position where we're on like a small island where these places are really easy to infiltrate but it's like even even if we only had like 10 social media followers and listen do you know what i mean like it, it's all about like changing what you can and like who's there to listen so i think it's just being committed to it and just be willing because i think some people as well it's just like oh discouraging like you get one bad comment oh i'm gonna take it down like it's just not worth it like let the bad comments come because at the end of the day like all the bad comments we got last june they're all yeah. included in our lesson plans now we're like let's deconstruct karen's comment as to see why she's like why does she feel like this like and it's just something we look back on now and we're like that this has took us to where we are today and again it's just being professional like not throwing it down people's down people's throats like it's yeah yeah if anyone listening was thinking about it like just reach out to poc iom and we got advice for you Just so the, the last topic that we want to speak on, because in my eyes, in the Western mm. Western world, being being black is tough. Yeah, being a female is tough. If you add on religion, say if you're Muslim, oh, if you yeah. add if, if you're black, female, and Muslim, it's it's tough. Out here. And I've got cousins, you know, family, got people that I love that are that. And just to move on to to the next topic, like are men the problem for how women you know, live? You wrote out you know, this question. And I've been looking and worried. staring at it for ages because. I, I want to say no like I want to be like no men are not the problem but when you what's so it like when we look at the events that have been going on recently with like Sarah Everard and uh, Blessing and etc like it un- unfortunately yes like and and I would like to emphasize not to be that person like we know it's not it's not all men but it is equally enough men that like when I lived in Loughborough and I was walking walking home in the dark, like I'm checking over my shoulder. Like if if I know that like a man's coming my way, like I'm checking over my shoulder to make sure that he's not turned around to follow me, like blah, blah, blah. So I know it is not all men, but it is way more than enough men to make women cautious. So yes, is the answer to your question, but skeptic, skeptically an answer. No, because for me, mm-hmm. like with, because obviously the whole 
know, Sarah ever ever since coming out, you know, the last couple of weeks and like I've always even before that, I've always mm. like with, with my partner, like whenever she goes out, I'm like, make sure yeah, you mess me when you get home and like all these things like that were you know being mentioned on you know females like experience of like how it is for them and I was like this is it's absolutely like it's another like I said before there's so many layers of this and it it now we're coming to a stage where like men need to be yeah. able to be like women were fighting this battle for like for how long now it's time for us to be like if you see something or you hear stuff in yeah. you, around your boys and like conversations and you're like no that's not right like, no you don't do that and like certain actions you can do outside to make you know females feel more comfortable and like I said it earlier in the pod like when we talk about our experience when it comes yeah. to racism it's the same when females talk about their um, experience as well so I think once when people start to understand that and start to like learn it but like with the whole I can't pronounce her name if someone can pronounce it better than me yeah blessings you know, I wish you have a name the, written the, down the, here the, but I always feel awful about blessings I can't pronounce her last name blessing yeah I'm not even going to try and pronounce it yeah yeah but, but we know who we're talking about. Yeah, like, so, like, obviously, she was, like, a 21-year-old like, student it's deeper, from South it? London, I think. She was, like, a business student. And, like, for anyone listening who doesn't know, so she, like, went missing in London. Police, like, went out searching for her. Like, a few days went by, and she was found on, like, one of them little beaches. Her body was, like, her body was here, and then her belongings were, like, neatly folded up 300 metres away. And the the police ruled the death as like unsuspicious, which just mm. baffles me for one. And like it's it, and the reason why we brought yeah, that like, up is because there was so much did. publicity about Sarah Evans, which, is, which yeah. is really good. But the, it it didn't that thing, that never got the same sort of love. In, in nowhere close to it like it's just inst- not instagram but i mean social media that kind of kept it going and like people are talking about it more but the the, the comparisons between the two is it's, it's crazy kevin have and, you you know or you've heard yeah about this stuff yet. I, yeah yeah i mean because i mm. i um only recently found out about um blessing blessing story and whatnot and then can and i've seen like comparisons with it and i've been i've literally just finished the book um the really tough book angela davis uh women race and class I think like where's one yeah I think she highlights in that book as well how throughout the book she's kind of talks about the tension that exists in yeah. feminism between um like white women and black women as well and there's very I mean it's it's a really good read it's a really tough read if you get a chance it's like six good on Amazon definitely read it um but what you know Angela Davis is like, increasingly frustrated with is the fact that like the feminism movement just literally at some yeah at, in many yeah. instances just does not acknowledge like the plight of black women as well um and and i think you know this happens quite a lot and it happens you can see it in class like i, I read owen jones's book and he talked about like the difference between shannon matthews and um shannon matthews who like went missing who got kidnapped by her mm. parents or went missing or whatever at the same time and madeline mccann and the differences there and whatnot um but yeah from from that as well i think it's just another example i mean i mean how many more examples do you need of like well it's just um there's something going on right now a 19 year old boy uh, richard i can't remember his last name but um he's like missing and there's like a direct quote from the police the mother rang the priest and said my son's missing and the police said to the mother 
if you can't find your son, how do you expect us to find your son? Like, what? That's like, it, it baffles me. And I think, like, yeah. again, like, the, the British, not even the British media, but let's just focus on the British media for today. But, like, the British media just has such a way of, like, demonising black people. It is ap- it's absolutely astounding. Like, the fact that, like, a 19-year-old boy is missing yeah. and, like next to no one knows about it like it's it's not like again like when Madeline McCann went missing like I now if I shut my eyes I can picture Madeline McCann's face like do you know what I mean whereas like the the there was a girl there was a young girl last year I can't remember her name but she was a young Muslim girl and she was like drowned by her classmates and no one spoke about it like the only reason I knew was Twitter like yeah I think I saw that and it's just astounding and i think kevin your point about like feminism because that was some of the notes i made like coming into this podcast just about intersectional feminism like i just think it's so important that like women who say they vouch for feminism keep that in mind because it's not only like um black women and, and white women like you have to think about like lgbtq women like especially the trans community is just like trans women i like I genuinely cannot imagine putting myself in a black trans woman's shoes and just going about my day because like I was so I was reading up on like some of the trans struggles and like so there's like healthcare struggles economic struggles I think I read something where like it was a high number in 10 of trans people live are homeless because like they get kicked out by families and like they can't get jobs etc etc um like safety civil rights like for a trans woman to change her documents from like saying he or like male or whatever to getting them to change the female costs like a lot of money i don't know if that was just in america but like honestly like the stuff they have to go through is ridiculous and then again like going back to the original topic of just being like sex overly sexualized by men like it's it's outstanding because I just think like the sexualization of trans women and women and Asian women while we're on the topic is like look at the events that happened in America last week where I think it was like eight Asian women were killed by this guy who said he was releasing a sexual frustration like I, I it, it honestly scrambles my head scrambles it it's a different mm, yeah mm, definitely, my, definitely. like i i feel as though um my my 10 pence on this to say like like yeah it is men's problem I, like i'm not gonna lie i feel like when it comes to mm. the dynamics between the power dynamics between like men and women like i have a, i don't know enough i have a lot of reading to do like mm. you know so i can only talk from like but yeah i do think without so, this is a problem as well like Mm. it's a very difficult thing to speak on because i don't want to sound like some fucking simp or whatever but you know at the same time you know it it is it is men's fault it's not like women doing this to women and i also feel like i'm just gonna you know what what when i saw like the it's not all men sort of thing bruv there's an old saying if if someone's getting something and you feel insecure about it you're most likely in some way part of the problem i know i know myself i didn't go around you know sort of like quaking mm. in fear or like shouting on twitter saying it's not me it's not me because like you know if you're not part of a problem it's it's not 
if you don't feel like you're part of a problem, then mm. you know it's nothing you're going to be insecure about. You're going to listen to these people's stories and try and be part of the solution. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and like, I, I think that's that, that, that's a really key point, Kev, because I I'll put my hands up. You know, not, not men in general. We're not we're not saying we're we're perfect and we've um. Oh, yeah, we're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna start we're gonna jump on the bagwagon and be like, oh yeah, we need to do this for females. Like everyone has made mistakes and done stuff and be like, oh, you know, that's a bit, you know, don't go. But I think it's it's yeah, trying to move on yeah. and try and be an yeah. example and be like, yeah, we can do something about it. I think it's less. Don't look at the past too much. Oh, the past has already uh, happened. Let me, let me just say as well, yeah, like boys like are awful and boys need mm. to learn and mm. boys, I think. You know, you can ask, I don't believe for one second you can find someone, especially our age, mm. who grew up in schools or whatever, mm. that can that mm. cannot draw on several experiences where, mm. by the way they've talked, the way they've acted, mm. you know, and, and can say what they've done is unacceptable. That is utter bollocks. Like mm. one whimsical example may, may, may seem, but I am, I know that there was a Facebook group I liked, which was, um, what was it? it the, the name of the Facebook group was about women mm. and the offside rule being in the kitchen or something like that. And it's just like, you know, it's just utterly like ridiculous. You're like a 14 year old kid. And like, I think it's important that like, you know, we don't pretend that we're all perfect and we try and like rub out our past or whatever and that, but show growth and then teach the next generation that it's not acceptable would be, you know, like, it's a lot. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's another mad one that I can't believe we're still discussing after like men and women have like lived side by side for um well millennia like since what however like the dawn of time we're still talking about it's, mm. it's, it's a, it goes it's back to like I was, I was talking about race well. earlier like we did this we did this activity when we spoke to the police so like it was me me and joel gave the presentation and it was like a room yeah everyone that we were presenting to was white and we were like um okay like put your hands up if you've ever laughed at a racist joke and none of them put their hands up and then like me and joel put our hands up and then they all went and put their hands up and we were like okay it's like (laughs) let's talk about this because we were like it's far like well no it's not fine but like we appreciate that like in the past like you don't know what you're doing like you make mistakes you do laugh at the racist jokes like you do make those comments about women about whoever but like what's important is that like you're gonna leave from from this workshop today or from reading this article today or like seeing this outcry on social media the past week that like you, you want to move forward and be better and I think like what's important to bring bring up as well is that like do you know how we were speaking about how like when George Floyd happened like it was all just a bit of a haze I equally feel like the other I've lost track of time but last week was a haze because it went from like it went from like international women's day to Meghan markle to to sarah everard and like mm. kill the bill where all three of those days protests so yeah. like women's appreciation mm. day it was just like why are we why do we have to take a day to celebrate women or oh, the only woman that right. i can appreciate is my mum. like no one else like not like what and then mm. <laughs> Not and the, then, not the so 10 then girls yeah, we did that. And then Meghan Markle, like, she's like, lying about well, experience. Well. Like, oh, what, what an attention seeker. Sarah Everard, like, oh, well, she shouldn't be walking by herself at night. Like, all the protests. Oh, all these stupid women out for a cause. And then Mother's Day came around. Everyone was like, oh, it's my mum. Love you so much. And I was just thinking, like, in this blur of, like, literally, that week was such a haze for me because I was like, you're all, like, hating women. 
but it's sandwiched by Women's Appreciation Day and Mother's Day. Where you're, it was just like such a haze for me again. Like, and you, you know, you know, a real good point. Yeah, I wanted to mention. Yeah, during this, that time that mm, you mentioned, I yeah, bet. a lot of the group chats were popping. A lot of the boys' group chats were popping. Yeah. You know, they're like, you know. Like what's going on, guys? Like what do you guys? My group chats were popping. Everyone was saying their opinion. Some people were like, "Come on, like nah, nah." Someone like, "Nah, this is serious." And I think it's always good to start the conversation. It's really good to start the conversation. And I think this this with the whole movement. There's still a long way to go, but we're, we're talking about it. We're getting stuck in, and we're, we're we're getting men to be like, "Come on!" Like before, it was just women, 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 women. But now, men are starting to talk mm. about it and be like, "Actually, what I did that time in that club." I shouldn't have done that. This, this, that, and, and that's the way we're gonna move forward. Mm. Do you know what I think is important with that as well? Because I agree. I think people starting the dialogue is so important, and 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 one thing I think is so crucial to that is like this: is why I hate council culture. Because aside from like, I'm not saying like you know absolve everything people have done in the past. There's some serious times where people have to like you know serve time for like what they've done as well. But that's what I hate about council culture because I feel like it just stops that. It stops us, it, and I think people live in fear of actually having that dialogue and having nuanced conversations about stuff like the relationship between men and women in the fear that they might say something wrong and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I mm. completely agree in terms of like we need to actually like reflect and be like that was wrong and and show signs of growth, like actively show signs of growth, and don't be afraid to like support these women in these things. It's not you're not being a melt by doing it, or you're not, you know you know if it comes from a good yeah it's like by doing it yeah do it and then teach your sons (laughs) yeah you know your son can still your son can still be sick at gym and sick at running and you know whatever yeah it's just like the fragile like masculinity thing again like if you think respecting women makes you less of a man like what 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 is your thought process there like it's baffling yeah it's kind of Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, big up to everyone who's still listening ticking. now. If you're still listening to the pod now, you're a it's true fan. <laughs> you're a true, true fan. It's true. Yeah, you're true. I know you're 100 minutes here. in. And I really appreciate you still listening. Yeah. <laughs> Alice is definitely here. <laughs> no, Abs, what have you got for us, man? You always got I think, I think we, we've hit most of, we've hit most of the top, but I think We'll definitely get Catherine again. I want to dive more deeper into the female yeah. situation. I think we, we dive quite well into the whole um, um, Black Lives Matter movement. We dive in quite well into that. But I want to, I really want it because I've always had a, not a passion, but I've always mm. wanted to speak about it. But I'd never really, I didn't know where, like, what was, you know what I'm saying? I, I did really feel like females were, like, you know, feeling a certain type of way about how they get treated. And, like, I really want to talk about domestic. Well, about um, violence um, like it's a, it's, domestic it's a violence. thing you know it's, it's, it's a real big thing like mm. normal relationships like it's mm. such a real big thing and like stalkers females having stalkers these are things these are happening could be happening down your road and i really want to really want to dive in i might be go into i might I be misquoting you, this you touched on the air which is good i but, don't think um, domestic yeah. violence is illegal we'll on the island man like when you're asking me like what's popping off there i'm sure domestic violence is like not illegal there's like some yeah but it's all been coming up in the news recently and i've just been astounded but we can get onto that on the next pod <laughs> it's mad oh it's mad but 
yeah, yeah. We, we need to do a deep dive on that because that's a hot and it'll be good to get like a like a like a I don't want to say like a round table but like yes because I want to come back yeah. hopefully do it in person I'll come up to Loughborough for that yeah yeah that'll be good yes I think that'll but, be that I think that'd be great I mean I've got no more questions but like I think me and Abs oh. always wanted to do this podcast like this, and I think this has been my favorite podcast we've done and I feel like the most important podcast we've done because I know yeah. me and Abs want to talk about this for a long time yeah I, I, like, the thing is yeah, like we've we've all got our not Instagram we've all got our social media platforms and we've all got our friends that we mm. call and group chats but I, re- I really wanted to speak on my experiences like I know some people yeah have, have you wrote some you wrote like that like really big like stuff on Instagram about your experiences like I wanted to do a video and like talk about you know when yeah. the issue actually happened when we all kicked off but I never knew how to like should I do a video should I I'm not really right it's not really my thing but like now that me and Kev got this point it's like I exactly you know, this topic is coming back it is still relevant in my life and everything that I do and I want to make it relevant and I want people to know that it's no, still literally. a thing every single I, I will, day. I'm so, willing you know, to read, that's the whole shout point, and, and I about this until the day I die. So any day you want me on this podcast, just shout me. <laughs> yeah, it's been sick. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's been good, man. Yay. Yeah, it's been good. Um, yeah, no, great. We'll, we do, we'll do this again. We'll do this again, 100%. And we'll, yeah, <laughs> it's been great. It's been real. All right, Kevin, um, you, you you're off. still here. Like you said, shout out. Abs. Um. So follow, just follow um, any, at POC follow. underscore IOM yeah. yes. on on Instagram and Twitter and all of your socials. Like, yeah, we it's yeah. not just Isle Man based. Like, we'd like to think we post relevant no. things to everyone. So, all yeah, that's it. Yeah. And is there anything you want people to who have listened to this? To I think, read, like, watch. I would love to tell them. Like, to when be honest, Kev, I've got Black and British sitting on my shelf and I haven't even been able to crack into that yet. Because as much as I'd love to say to people, get into that. But I think, like, Natives by Carla and Why I'm No Longer Talking to White yeah. People About Race by Rennie Edo Lodge are, like, great places to start. Yeah. I have I have a copy of Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. I'm happy to post to anyone. Um, and, yeah, like, David... What's his name? Black and British. David Asaga. He has a great series on... BBC, I think, called Black and British yeah, Again. So watch that on iPlayer. Yeah. I I would just say one thing I'd add would be on topic of like females, watch she an is on smoke. An interview with Angela Davis because that lady is on smoke. She's on smoke. She's on smoke, and I love it. So watch something by Angela Davis, and also I need to watch a small axe BBC. Need to watch that. <laughs> sounds good, sounds thank good. you so much bye guys